Welcome to The Intern Whisperer, the show all about the future of work. Today's guest is Leslie Batson, founder of Rebel Rock Wealth. Hi, Leslie. Hi, how are you? I'm great. Welcome to The Intern Whisperer, Leslie. You and I go back. We, uh, we do. Yeah, we started way back. That I know it's not in our notes here, but let's, uh, we'll take a venture down We Venture, which is how we met. <laughs> yeah. Back in the day, that was okay. something. Um, but our show is all about business, the future of industries and jobs. Um, we're looking forward to hearing about your show. But I do want to go down memory lane and talk about okay. WeVenture and what that was sure. like, because I've never experienced anything else like that. Yeah. What were your thoughts about WeVenture? How did you get into the group? You know, I really have no, I do know how I found it. Um, you know, on Thursday evenings, Thursdays, when we had the, uh, the tech meetup, I can't remember what it was called, but I think it was there. I might've seen Shay announce it at that point. And I was like, what? Like a women's like kind of incubator type program for startups. I want to be a part of that. <laughs> you know, um, I think that's where I first learned about it. So yeah, I think I applied or I don't know if you, I can't remember if we had to apply or we just signed up, but yeah, it was definitely from that group where I learned about WeVenture. How I learned about it is I actually applied for the job, the same job that Shay applied for. And really? they selected Shay. Yeah, I applied for that same role with WeVenture. And okay. they selected Shay. So I heard about it way back before it was even thought of, I guess. Um, I wanted to be able to support it. And that's where I was pulled in and I became a coach. And right. just like myself, I loved everything about it. It was yeah. all empowerment being able to be successful uh, what did she what did Shay say a little shout out for Shay unapologetically um, we were unapologetic about what it is that we can bring to the table we knew our strength yeah. and our value I'm paraphrasing but I remember yeah, yeah. that word unapologetic and I she's she's visionary I think she's very and I just thought it was incredible. Like there were so many women and we, mm -hmm. we all had different businesses, services, you know, goods. Like, I mean, it was just such a variety. Sometimes when you see those programs, they're, they're kind of, you know, just for sort of tech type companies. Um, but this really was open for any type of, you know, women owned business. I just thought it was a great program. I was so sad when it ended. <laughs> Myself kind of also. Shocked. Yeah. I know they closed it down in Orlando, but they kept the one in Melbourne open and it was tied to some yeah. college. I can't remember. Rockledge. Yeah. But yeah. was it FIA? FIT? Or okay. no, no, no. Florida, FTC. I think it's Florida Technical College, right? Yeah. I think it might be. I that think one. so. I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm not anyway, sure either. <laughs> I don't even know if they're still around. I used to be on their mailing list and I don't get it. They are. I saw it recently. Mm hmm. Because someone asked wow. me about it um, maybe a few weeks ago, and I looked up to see. I think I just Googled WeVenture, and it still came up. So I don't know how, um, you know, how active. many people they have. Yeah, I don't know how active it is or how many people they have in it, but it's still around, or at least it was still listed. <laughs> well, and I also noticed that, like I said, I used to be on an email list. I haven't seen that email list in a long time, so. Yeah. Anyway. Well, speaking of colleges, you attended Southern Illinois University with a four-year athletic scholarship. How did that come did. up? What did you play? Well, I actually ran track. Um, I did track. I'm actually, so I'm originally from Canada. I'm actually from Toronto area. 
And, uh, you know, at home, we don't really have athletic scholarships. <laughs> we only have one university, which is out in Vancouver, that offers athletic scholarships. But um, our version of like the state meet um, is, uh, you know, our provincial meet is really where a lot of American university recruiters or, um, you know, coaches or whatever they're called, <laughs> um, they come up and watch those those meets. So quite a few of my friends, um, you know, we, we were able to come to the States on scholarship and some people go back home, but I ended up staying here in, in the States. <laughs> did you set any records? I did actually, I set an indoor, at the university, I didn't set like any NCAA records or anything like that, but yes, um, indoor. So I was a sprinter. So indoors, that's the 55 or the 60. Um, 60 meter dash and outdoor it's the 100 and the, and the 200 and of course when my coach made me I had to do the 400 um, which I did not enjoy at all uh, but I didn't well I didn't love the 4 by 4 relay but you know I think anytime you can be part of a team type of you know activity it's always fun so I loved relays I love doing 4 by 100 and when I had to I did the 4 by 4 and we, we were pretty good for our conference <laughs> I have to say Hmm. That's really interesting. Um, I was a swimmer when I was in high school. I'm pretty sure Ian did something also. He'll be able to talk about that. Okay, maybe not. <laughs> he, I, I do know he does something and I usually bring it up. So I'm going to wait and see if he brings it up. Uh, <laughs> okay. That is a passion or an interest of his. Anyway, I was thrown into the pool also and said, here, you know, you're going to do the medley similar to what you're describing there mm -hmm. as the four race. Yep. Then I was also thrown in, okay, you're going to go and do butterfly. Did not know how to do it. And then I found out, oh, I was really good at it. And then I started being the one that was always picked for that. And I did not like doing that stroke, but do what you're good at. And uh, yeah. the coach knows best. So I yeah. do agree. What's really valuable that you mentioned out of there is teams. And I love working in teams. I mean, some sports are individual, of course. There's always your personal best, but then when you work together with a group, you can see how the encouragement comes across and how we're there to lift each other up. But what do you think are some of the key values of working in a team? Well, I just think it's so important to always know that, you know, you, you can't always do everything, <laughs> you know, regardless, it doesn't matter if it's sports, school, work, you know, business, um, you, you know, you always want to have a team. You, everyone wants to, you know, give 100% in what your specific role is, but, you know, you, you just can't always do it on your own. You know, I look at Rebel Rock well, right now it is me, right? It's, I'm like a company of one, but thankfully I have, um, you know, different accountants I can work with. I have um, different, like, you can say vendors who I work with, and so they provide a lot of support, so I don't have to do everything myself. So that helps, you know, it's, it could be a lot of stress or pressure if you're really just trying to do everything yourself, especially, you know, you have good days, you have bad days. And quite frankly, you just don't know everything. And sometimes there are things that are your strength and some things that are your weakness. And so why not outsource the weakness, <laughs> you know? So, um, so yeah, I just think it's important to, um, you know, just, just to know that you can always work in a team or a team atmosphere. I agree. I agree. I love, uh, that's one of the other aspects I like about teams. You mentioned the strength and outsourcing the um, thing that you're not good at. That was actually part of the conversation that Ian and Robin and I were just having also. Robin is another one of the interns and 
she said, well, I've never done it editing, but I would do it, you know, if you asked me to, because that's part of it. I said, no, you shouldn't do something that you hate to do, <laughs> or you don't, you know, you're going, no, I don't want to do that because you're not good at it. You've got to play to what your strengths are. Yeah. And I, you know, I don't think it's, I don't think it's bad to try something. Agreed. Because sometimes you think you're not going to like something and then you get in and you're like, hmm, maybe, you know, this isn't quite what I was expecting. And maybe it's a lot worse than you were thinking, but maybe you're like, wow, I could actually do this. So mm -hmm. it's not, I think it's good to try things at least once, you know, to try, try not to prejudge. <laughs> Agreed. Um, try Agreed. not to make assumptions, you know, but uh, yeah, just try it out. And if it doesn't work out, then you can, then, you know, you can mark it on your list and say, nope, I definitely don't like to do that. Or mm -hmm. hmm, maybe I'll explore that some more. Yep, I agree. I agree. Mm -hmm. So Ian's going to go and share what his secret passion is. It's not a secret, okay. it's public. <laughs> uh, you guys are talking about teams and my quote unquote sports that I uh, did and still do in college um, is in improv. I do improv and you have, wow. yeah, <laughs> you have to be a part of a team for that because it's not yeah. a scene. You have to engage with your partner or partners and always know what the next step uh, and what the progression of the scene is going to be. So yeah. same thing with everything that you guys are talking about. Yeah. Well, that would be even harder. <laughs> I would think. Uh, you have to, you, like, you're, no, no one's a mind reader. So we have to yeah. know what we're thinking and see where we're going to take the next scene. Yeah. That's really cool. I like that. Isn't it? I think it, I think it's one of the most interesting things about him because it's so much, um, it's so psychological. I think sports are the same way, you know, if you're going to be good, you can tell yourself you're going to be good and you eventually become really great, right? You can get there. The ability, there's some things that are team related and I, I think most of them are psychological, but you have no ability to predict what somebody is going to say and come out of their mouth. You can exactly. not like, we're doing this show and it's pretty much impromptu because we're going, I don't know what she's <laughs> going to say. We'll wait and see. Yeah. 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 Wow. That's great though. I've learned is that uh, when people always say, oh, I don't think I can do improv, but this is improv. Everything is improv because you never know what you're going to say next until it happens and you're, you're saying it now. So, so I, are I, you a big fan of whose line is it anyway? Or whose line is it? Is that what it's called? Whose line is it anyway? Yeah. I'm okay. not a fan. I've seen it. <laughs> Um, okay. I think it's great. Yeah, I I'm I like when I watch it, I crack up because I'm like, how how do they pick up like pick up from what the previous person said? And I think it, they're just geniuses. <laughs> yeah, and it's so great that uh, Wayne Wayne Brady, he's from mm -hmm. Sac Comedy Club. He's from Orlando. Yes, yeah, yeah. I think that it's also about being in sync with each other. Very yeah. similar to how people are in sports, yes. because yes. we have to be able to um, pace ourselves and be able to hand off, and it's very yep. similar to you know a dance. It's yeah. got to be the same as I, I would think that there's timing involved in with what you're going to say, and like really high listening skills and the ability to yeah. think quickly. It's got to be hard though. I think it's harder. Yeah. You gotta be focused. <laughs> you can't be distracted. You have to be in the scene. Yeah, very cool. Oh, All right, so I'm gonna go jump into how did marketing and business become your passion? So you had all of this great sports background and you had this you know, wonderful experience at college where you had the scholarship. 
I don't know if you even saw the scholarship as, wow, that was a business transaction that even happened and we can even pull in that. So sure. nonprofit is a business. Yeah, so, okay. So how did I even get my interest in marketing? So Ian, you're a youngin, so you probably won't even know this movie, but in like 92, I think it was, <laughs> there was a movie that came out called Boomerang. It was with Eddie Murphy, Halle Berry, uh, Robin Givens, it was a comedy, um, but it was called Boomerang. And it was basically, uh, I mean, it was, it was a comedy, but what drew me to it and what caught my attention was, it was actually a whole cast that was working at this marketing firm. And all, but most of the cast were, were black. They were black professionals. And I had never seen that in a movie before. And so the, some of the characters like Robin Givens and Halle Berry and Eddie Murphy, they were like marketing executives. And I thought, oh my gosh, like I've never seen that before. And for me, it clicked immediately. I was in high school at the time and it clicked immediately. Like I want to do marketing. And so in my mind, I pictured myself as this like marketing exec moving down to Atlanta, working at Coca-Cola and like taking over the world, you know, had this whole vision in my head in high school. So for me, when I got to school, like, you know, a lot of students may not know what they want to major in or what they want to do. I always knew I wanted to do business and I wanted to do marketing. So I did that. <laughs> I studied, I got my, my bachelor's in marketing. Now I mentioned that I'm Canadian. <clears throat> so at the time when I was, uh, and I, you know, I completed my degree in four years, but you know, there weren't, um, because I was Canadian, I didn't, you know, I couldn't work in the States and I didn't want to go back home. You know, I couldn't find a marketing position cause I needed a work visa. And so I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do before graduating. And then the athletic department offered me a marketing graduate assistantship which meant that I could get, if, if I stayed to do my master's, um, you know, they would pay for my uh, tuition and my books and, you know, some things. And I would get paid to work at, at the athletic department doing marketing. And I thought, well, okay, at least I can get some experience and, you know, that type of thing doing my MBA. So when I was doing my MBA, um, I mean, I, I, I loved it. I really just, I, I feel like I was naturally good at marketing. It just, I was just very interested in it. Um, but when I was doing my MBA program, this is like, 97, 98. Um, and I started to get like a little bit of the taste of IT, a little bit from technology on the technology side. And so we had an area that you could focus in, it was called information systems at the time. So I did my MBA, but I focused on MIS, management of information systems. Now, as I'm completing my degree towards the end of 98, uh, again, Ian probably won't remember this, but Isabella, you might, the whole Y2K period was coming up. So Y2K was a time when a lot of businesses in 1999 were freaking out <laughs> because they were afraid that the clocks were going to change to zero zero and it was going to reset to 1900 and the world was going to you know blow up. So pretty much if you had a degree in anything, they were hiring you into technology positions and they needed QA, which is like quality assurance. They, they needed all kinds of positions filled. So long story short, I ended up going into IT. I did not end up in a career in marketing. I ended up going into IT because I could very easily get a visa, a work visa. <laughs> so that's really how I, I um, you know, got into the, uh, you know, into my career. I started in technology <clears throat> and I did that for pretty much 20 years. Um, and over the last few years is where I was transitioning into Rebel Rock Wealth, which I am now doing full time. And what's interesting is that you did that. You went from marketing to IT 
and now you're in finance. You're hitting all yeah. the spectrums of an MBA. <laughs> of business, yes, exactly. Yeah, we'll make your school That's proud true. of you, for sure. <laughs> That's true, very true, yeah. Um, I wanted, I'm kind of curious, I don't think we talked about this, but why did you choose to stay in the United States instead of going back to Canada? You know, I, people ask me that all the time. I'm not fully sure. I really don't have a good, a good response. Now, I will say that when I, uh, when I graduated with my master's, I was engaged at the time. Mm -hmm. And I moved to Chicago, you know, we moved to Chicago and let's just say that relationship ended <laughs> within my first year. Um, but maybe because of him, I don't know. But again, like in my mind, I always had this dream that I was going to move to Atlanta and be this exec. Like, you know, in my brain, that's where it always was. So I never thought about moving back home. Of course, my parents are always like, when are you coming back home? When are you coming back home? And I've been gone like many years now. <laughs> so I think they finally, you know, realized I'm not going to move back home. But yeah, so I, I think it was just because that was the vision that I had. I really in my mind thought I'm going to, and maybe it wasn't going to always be marketing, but for some reason I thought I was going to be this corporate executive. And I don't know why Atlanta came to my, into, to my brain because it could have been New York. It could have been, you know, I don't know, but it was always Atlanta. That was the vision that I had. Um, needless to say, I've never lived in Atlanta. <laughs> I've never moved there. Um, so, you know, but it's good to have visions and it's good to have dreams because then you kind of work towards them, even though you may pivot and <laughs> go in different directions. Absolutely. Absolutely. I thought you were going to say that you love the weather and you did not want to move back and be cold. Well, funny you say that because I went to school in Illinois and when I graduated, I moved to Chicago. Now, They're cold Chicago there. <laughs> is very cold in the winter and, you know, Unless you've been to Toronto and Chicago, you won't believe me, but Chicago feels colder than Toronto. <laughs> you know, I don't know really? if it's the positioning on the lake, because um, Toronto is also on a lake. It's on one of the Great Lakes. But um, that when that winter, they, you know, in Chicago, we call it the hawk. When that hawk comes flying by and it hits you, you feel it in your bones. And I grew up in Toronto in the cold climate, but my family is from Barbados and I'm an island girl, okay? I do not like the cold. <laughs> So I had been working in Chicago in, you know, technology, doing consulting really for about eight years. And then I, so let me back up a little bit. I still had this whole vision of being this, you know, corporate exec. I was going to, you know, go hard on my career and move up the you know corporate ladder. And I did that for about five years, but I will say probably within the first year or two of my career, I knew that I was never gonna be a corporate exec. <laughs> I knew mm -hmm. that I did not like being an employee. I did not like some of the things about corporate America. I realized I'm probably, um, I don't know if I knew the word at the time, but I was definitely more of an entrepreneur, like entrepreneur mindset, uh, definitely very independent. I did not like a lot of office politics. I, I was just like, wow, I was not cut out for corporate for corporate in that way. So that was kind of the irony of the whole thing is like, it was always my dream. And then once I got there, I was like, mm -mm, this isn't for me, it's not a good fit. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, but I was in Chicago for about eight years or so. Um, so five years, so I worked for five years and then I decided to become an independent consultant. Mm -hmm. So I could manage, pick my own projects, negotiate my own rates, work whenever I wanted to work. And that's kind of what I did after the fifth year. And so I was there for, um, I was in Chicago for eight years. 
I was wrapping up a project that was, it was wrapping up in uh, November of that year. This was 2006. And so I thought, oh God, I don't want to do another winter in Chicago. So I started to look for opportunities like in California and Texas and Florida. I was even looking in Big Dubai. City. Oh yeah. I was looking to go anywhere warm. And um, anyway, the first real opportunity that came up was actually doing a project for Disney. That's what brought me to Orlando. And that was in 2006. And so I worked on uh, so many different projects over the years, but that's what actually brought me to Orlando. And I, and I kind of stayed because I love the heat. <laughs> I always say I was oh. seduced by the weather. <laughs> yes. So, yes, yeah. I agree. So I was born in Kansas. I've lived all over the United States. California is not warm. It's only warm in the very southern you know, sector of it. Yeah, you got to be yeah San Diego for sure. Um, but my family was also in San Francisco, and you know anyway, Seattle, Cali, San Francisco, Arizona, Kansas, um, Chicago. Didn't live there, but it was right next door. So been there plenty of times. Um, Georgia, and then we ended up in Florida. By the time I was 14, we had moved 21 times. Wow. So moving around was always a part of the lifestyle. Uh, my dad wow. was a engineer and he was a contract engineer. So wherever the projects were in yes. defense. So Martin, okay. Okay. it was Martin, it was, you know, just pick one, Boeing, and we moved with every project. And so it was a lot of moving. You learn how to adapt quickly. Uh, yeah. The thing that was always my biggest takeaway is I do not like being cold. I like to visit. Yes. I do not yes. want to be cold. I, I'm the same way. I'm like, I love to ski. So mm -hmm. I'll go for a ski weekend, even go for a few days, but then I know I can come back to my, you know, my son. <laughs> yes, yes. And we can always get away when we know hurricanes are coming. You can't do that with the fires in California. It's hard as well as the earthquakes, uh, tornadoes, they just pop up. They're not like hurricanes. And that's yep. what I experienced. Oh, I didn't say Missouri. So we lived in Missouri also too. Mm -hmm. So yeah, all yeah. over the place. Yeah, so totally, uh, I understand what you're saying there. But I've, yeah. I've never been to Canada. So, you know, where do you suggest that we go if we're gonna visit? Go to Toronto. Okay. I mean, of course I'm gonna be biased, but I, I always tell people, go. you definitely wanna see Toronto. Uh, Toronto is probably one of the most diverse cities in the world. It, it's, it's, it's beautiful. I mean, you may not want to go in the winter, <laughs> mm -hmm. go in the summer, just like, you know, it's kind of like New York. If you've been to New York, it's the same climate. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, 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 yeah. Same climate. So, um, but Toronto is beautiful. Montreal is gorgeous. And I have never really spent a lot of time out west, but I always hear that, you, you know, um, uh, Calgary is beautiful. Calgary's up in the Rockies mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and uh, Vancouver. So the two I can vouch for are Toronto and Montreal. <laughs> well, let's spend some time talking about Rebel Rock Wealth. I, I just like saying those words. They kind of <laughs> roll right off of the tongue, Rebel Rock Wealth. It's kind of yeah. like rock, paper, scissors. That's really what I wanted. <laughs> but uh, I'm digging it. So tell me about it. Tell our listeners about it. What is it? Where is your inspiration? Um, why did you choose that? Because there's a, really a big difference between teaching people about finance, if that's what it is, and I do, I know what it is, but our listeners don't, building some interest here. And then there's also the marketing side of it. They, they do marry well, I think. Yeah, absolutely. So yes, you're right. I, I now have the opportunity to explore all my, you know, store all my marketing oats. Um, <laughs> 
So, but so Rebel Rock Wealth, really how that came about was a few years ago, I had learned about one of these strategies that I, I was just listening to a podcast that I enjoyed. It was a, a real estate investing podcast. Um, and I heard someone come on there and they were talking about this concept that, you know, a lot of the wealthy people do. And, and then you're talking about this concept. It was a way for people who, real, who invest in real estate where they can, you know, put their cash flows or if they're looking for, you know, more money to, to use for, um, you know, the next property, that type of thing. And they're talking about all these different things. I'm like, wow, I've never heard of this before. And I started to explore it further. And so long story short, I actually ended up reaching out to that podcast because he himself had a podcast. So I started listening to his podcast. Um, I started, I, I reached out to him and I said, okay, I'm, I don't fully, fully understand everything that you're talking about, but I'm, I'm on board. Like it makes sense, you know, mostly and I'm on board. He was like, oh, great. Like, you know, he's like, would you like some more information? He started sending me information. And so I think I became a little bit obsessive about it. And I started just looking it up, researching it everywhere and learning, you know, how it works. And I thought, I don't understand why this is the first time I'm hearing about this. You know, it's like I'm 40 and I'm hearing this for the first time. And so really I started like telling people about it, you know? And so eventually it got to the point where I said, you know what? I'm already getting burnt out of IT. I always said I wanted to do something new. I wasn't sure what my next you know, what the next career was going to be, but this could be it. This is something where I can feel fulfilled. I can have hundred percent control of my time. I can definitely help people. Um, you know, it kind of checked all the boxes. So I decided to get licensed so that I can, you know, help people in that way. So I did that a few years ago and I was still, you know, doing IT. So I was doing that kind of full-time working my contracts full-time, but building this business on the side. So, um, yeah, but that's really kind of how it came about. It was really from a personal um, discovery and then realizing that these are concepts and things that we just don't hear about. It's not like typical financial planning. Like, you know, you go to a financial planner and they kind of ask you for all your information. They kind of basically want you to push, like hand over all your money and just say, I'll take care of it and charge you a fee. But I find that for, like, that's, for me, that didn't work well, right? So, and I think there's other people like that and that's kind of who seems to be drawn to me people who want to have, you know, more control, they want to understand what's being done. They don't want to just hand it over and not really understand what's happening, but they want to understand why would I do this? And why would I not do this? Why are you telling me to do this? Does it really make sense for me? Am I going to benefit from it? Is Wall Street going to benefit from it? Like, why would I do these things? So I really like the kind of um, empowerment approach. So I really like to just help educate people first. I mean, of course, they come to me with questions and usually it's for a specific you know, to solve a specific problem. Um, but I like to educate them on why I might choose to go a certain way or why they might choose to go a certain way. And then I just help them implement those strategies. So I use, I, I called the company Rebel Rockwell because Rebel is just because it's really not like a typical, um, you know, a typical financial planning type of business. It's, you know, pretty different. <laughs> um, so that's kind of the rebellious side of it, kind of rebelling against Wall Street. And then the rock is really because of the foundation of it. You know, I feel like everyone should have a solid foundation for their financial plan because it's the jumping board. It's where you, uh, you know, it's like, you know, you're we're talking to college graduates here. It's like, you're doing all this work to get a degree, to get a great job, but no one ever teaches you what's the right thing to do with your money so that it will last and not just last, but be able to, you know, pass it on generationally. So there's a lot of things that we don't learn in, um, you know, formal education but <clears throat> i kind of take it upon myself to to do that so that's part of what rebel rock wealth is about
You know, I think that it's interesting too because most people don't want to talk about some what they consider taboo topics. Yeah. Talking about money is one of those things that's always a struggle for people. They don't want to disclose how much money they make, if it's yeah. you know, in a company or how yeah. much they give or whatever. And it's, it's one of those things I think, well, what if we did talk about it? Just like, if, yes. what if we talked about race? What if we talked yes. about sexuality? What if we yes. talked about money and we just made it so that it becomes everyday conversation Exactly. Would it diminish any bias that we have in the workplace and make it more inclusive and diverse? Would it actually um, make it so that people would not feel um, offended or Absolutely. they have to be secretive? It's like, just talk about it. It's okay. Yeah. I mean, we need it to ignorance, live. Yeah, ignorance is not bliss, right? Yeah. So whether you're talking about money, race, and anything that you're talking about, right? So it's like, the system, right? Our education system, there's a reason that they don't teach you these things. Just hope you know that, right? It's like, they don't want you to learn and understand certain concepts. They, they want you to learn what they want you to learn, right? Mm -hmm. um, but they don't necessarily want you to learn, you know, the truth. I feel like my shirt's on balance. Um, Sometimes I think well, what because I say it... is the whole truth. They don't let you understand the whole truth, you know? It's kind of like it's... you look at, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, I think there's a reason why, though. I think it's because yeah. it's controversial, and they don't want to be controversial. I don't know. What do you think? I think there's I a think reason it's why. I think controversy. I think, I think they want people to believe certain things so that they will walk a certain way and, and continue to believe certain things, right? It's, it's, it's like, um, you know, like, so, for example, you brought up race. Like, there's a reason why whenever you turn on the, you know, 11 o'clock news, there's usually a mm -hmm. person of color who's being arrested or they're looking for someone to do something. It's to perpetuate this idea right. that, you know, you know, black people are the way that they are, right? They're the way yeah. that they want you to believe that they are. So it makes it harder if you want to, to trust them or do business with them or be a neighbor with them or your kids go to school with them or have a sleepover with them. They, because society has created these ideas about that. Mm -hmm. Society could very easily change that, but the programming can mm -hmm. like, you know, news is programming. People choose those stories and they choose to put it there each night. Right. So it's a program. Exactly. Mm -hmm. When it comes yeah. to your finances, it's the same thing. They could choose to create a curriculum and teach little kids from kindergarten. I mean, when you have a little kid who's three years old and they go to the store and they say, mommy, can you buy this? That's the first opportunity to start introducing them to concepts of managing your money. Okay. Right? So why don't we start teaching them things? There's a reason that they've removed or not made those a part of curriculum. Now I know that there are some school districts, some like, and usually they're private schools, to be honest, yes. um, that have started to include these types, this type of education. <clears throat> but there's a reason why they don't want the masses to, right? There's a reason why the public education system is the way that it is. There's a reason why, you know, your history books only tell the perspective of one person's view of what happened and they leave out a lot of other facts, you know, like there's a reason. So I agree. You can call it systemic or whatever, but to me, ignorance is just the lack of knowledge. That's why I say ignorance is bliss because it's the lack of knowledge. So we can step up and be more proactive and just learn about certain things that we don't know about so that we're not ignorant and we can be empowered and then we can make educated, you know, decisions, whether it's money or, you know, whatever else. I agree. I agree. And I, I think that, well, the negative news, the hype is what sells because it's keeping yeah. people or the, the masses, if you will, in a place of, of fear and they're easier to control than in a place of empowerment. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, if you focus on all of the wonderful stuff, that's not newsworthy anymore. People, right. people don't want to read that. They do, <laughs> right. but they don't. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Yeah. yeah, it's true. Yeah. yeah. Hype sells. It bliss does. doesn't. It definitely does. Yeah. Well, bliss does sell if you're trying to <laughs> find that balance <laughs> in your life. Anyway, well, that is really interesting. I'm really glad you um, have expanded how you're using your degree in that other area and you're just really embracing it because being an entrepreneur, it forces you to uh, embrace what those challenges and areas of growth are. Rather than a weakness, it's an area of growth. Yeah. Well, it's funny you say that because that's I find like more and more I'm, you know, getting clients who are small business owners, you know, <clears throat> you look at a time like COVID, like 2020, I think was a shock for most people. Everyone. And for a lot of business owners, it was, you know, a shock in a, in a negative way, but in, for some, it was a shock in a positive way, right? Well, it was still kind of negative because they weren't ready for it, right? So they, for example, I have, I have a friend who, she, her business, I mean, this, this is her 10th year in business, but what she does is provide, uh, like she calls them disposables, but it's like the mask, it's the gloves, it, it's the disposable wear that, you know, doctors and people in medical professions wear, like that is her business is supplying those things. Well, when 2020 came and there's all this lack of P PPE, uh, you know, they were calling on her to, to, to fill those, to fill that need. So her business has, you know, grown like a thousand percent or something this year, like not exaggerating. Um, but it also created, you know, a little bit of a dilemma because it's like, okay, you need to have capital to buy that extra inventory that you need to sell to the hospitals and stuff. So, you know, it's about being ready. So that's really one of the things that I do is I work with small business owners to like, um, you know, like just look at your finances, make sure that you're capitalized or work on how, you know, work on strategies to become, you know, to have liquid funds so that you can deploy them for whatever reason it is. Mm -hmm. You know, I have one, one client who you know, we've, we've looked at how, you know, like in the next couple of years, we're going <clears> to <throat> have had them, we're just, all we're doing is kind of redirecting money that they were already allocating somewhere else, but redirecting it to where they can have a pool of money that they can now purchase the building that they're renting from. Mm -hmm. and yeah. Do those kinds of things. So, yeah. So you reframe it, you help them yeah. to redistribute where their money is being spent on those various line items. And then they can yeah. see, wow, I have more money than I thought. It's similar. I do something like that with the interns that work with me. And that's one of the things I teach employers is like block things out on your calendar because you'll be able to actually see how much time you really have left yeah. to complete things. If you think about it, I even block out like my sleep schedule and then I block out, you know, my devotional time and then, you know, church. And I put my personal life up there just as much as I put out there the the work things and then i can see like okay where is my time being spent it's the same with a budget people say that word budget and they go oh no <laughs> but it's really it's okay it's really okay you know it's yeah. just just a word and it allows you to have freedom instead of no it's not telling you what you can't do it's telling you what you can do it's true it's really just tracking it just like you're saying how do you track your time and this is helping you track your money like where is it going yeah. I find a lot of people kind of live off of their debit card or live off of their credit card, like in their mind. But when you get them to start, you know, filling out a spreadsheet or writing it down, they're like, whoa, like I didn't realize I was actually spending that much on, you know, eating out or whatever it is. Because sometimes you got to see it to really yeah. be able to address it. You know? Yeah, so, yeah. exactly. 
Uh, your company follows the principles of prosperity economics and i did a little bit of research on it but i would definitely like you to explain it <laughs> I got a lost. so what prosperity economics is it's sort of um, a strategy that's just different from typical financial planning so typical financial planning will have you sort of come in sort of hand over all your money hand over all your records and your financial planner will, will manage that for you. They will put your money into different investments. Hopefully, you know, they're doing that um, correctly, but typically those investments are gonna be in the stock market. They're gonna, you know, put your, tell you to put your money in like 401ks and IRAs and things where you're putting your money in pre-tax and all these different things. And so your money is, they're kind of gathering your money and then parking it somewhere. Um, and you don't have a whole lot of control or autonomy or flexibility really. Now, of course you can, you know, have your relationship with your, a financial advisor and if you really you know want to get money out then you would do that but with prosperity economics what we really want to do is empower the individual themselves so we really want to focus on educating first um, we go we have different principles that we walk through which are really focused on again taking your eye off of sort of what 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 is like sort of Wall Street telling you what to do and you having it's really like about critical thinking for yourself what makes sense for you and your family or your business understanding those principles and then managing your money so that you know you're not paying as much in taxes <clears throat> excuse me and you're you're much more cognizant of fees you understand like opportunity costs and how that in um, how that impacts your money so it's really just having a different mindset and more of a you know like self-control versus kind of handing your money over and letting someone else have 100 percent control so the origins of your title, Chief Chick, did that come from back when we were doing the We Venture <laughs> stuff? I'm gonna guess. It did, it did. So prior to Rebel Rock Wealth, I had a company called Fanat Chicks um, for Chicks Who Dig Sports. And Fanat Chicks was really a whole brand that I had created for female sports fans, <clears throat> whether you like to watch sports or play sports. Um, this was like pre-Facebook, you know, um, I don't know, again, this was Ian way before your time, um, but there was this site called Ning. And so Ning was the only website where you could actually create like an online community. And um, so I had started, I created a Ning and I was trying to find, you know, other female sports fans who could join this community. Um, in 2007, so, you know, I used to live in Chicago. I'm a big Chicago Bears fan. And in 2007, when I was actually down here in Orlando, the Bears made it to the Super Bowl in Miami and they were playing Indianapolis Colts. And so I was just so excited to be like anywhere near there. So I just, I took off, I went down to Miami just by myself. <laughs> of course, I didn't have a ticket to the game or anything, but I was walking along South Beach and um, I was just looking for other Bears fans and I would, you know, see some that were women. <laughs> um, and so I thought, okay, like I need to create a community. First, it was just thinking like, okay, people who might be Chicago Bears fans who aren't like obviously live in Florida. So I'm like, okay, maybe I can find Chicago Bears fans who live in Florida and we can get together for games each week or, you know, I just was thinking of it from that perspective, but then the vision got broader and broader. And I thought, let me just create a whole brand um, for, for female sports fans. And I created a chick cause I just wanted some type of, you know, symbol that was like, you know, neutral, didn't represent any one type of, you know, woman um, and chick I thought was cute. Cause you know, we're all chicks. And because I was, again, that was a one woman show. I was the chief of everything, chief CEO, chief marketing officer, chief executive officer. So I just called myself the chief chick. And I actually still use that sometimes on business cards um, because it catches people's attention. <laughs> and they always want to ask, wow, what's a chief chick? And then I'm happy to explain 
you know, what I do and uh, how I came up with the title. So yeah, so Fanatics was a brand that I had created. I like that. I, I don't think I've ever heard of this. Uh, what was it called before Facebook? What was the word? It was ning.com. Ning. I have never heard of that. Even once Facebook did start, remember, they didn't always have groups, right? They, it just was like our personal pages. So it yeah. was the only online place <laughs> that I could create a group, you know, um, uh, like a forum type of thing. And it was free. <laughs> wow. Um, but then, yes, eventually Facebook came around and you could create groups and all that. I'm going to guess they got bought out by Facebook. Or, do or they you... just went out of business. <laughs> Yeah, I don't, I don't know of anyone who uses Ning anymore. I haven't heard of it in years. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I just uh, side note. Uh, what year do you think I was born? I don't know. You look very young. <laughs> you look very young. Every twenty something. Twenty something. Yeah, that's correct. I'm twenty. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. It was definitely before your time. <laughs> Because you're, you're, you're mentioning all this, and actually, uh, when you were talking about it, I looked up the Eddie Murphy movie, and I've never heard of it, uh, but I, I definitely want to watch it now. But yeah, <laughs> I'm totally... Yes, it's called Boomerang. It's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I have never seen that movie, but it has all of the characters that I really like, because I love Eddie Murphy. You put him in anything, I think he's always wonderful. I still think he's great. I, I love him in, in so many movies. Um, yeah, yeah and he's definitely the, one of my... Especially, like, the 90s, he had just... Oh, he greatest. was ruling it. Yeah, he yeah. was <laughs> ruling. Yeah. Yeah. He was great. Um, but the other one, Halle Berry, I mean, that's just iconic. So, yeah. you know, everything she's in is amazing also. Yeah. And now I'm going to go look it up. Is it on Netflix or what was it on, Ian? It might be on Netflix. I just looked it up uh, like a Google search. Yeah. I don't know if it's streaming anywhere right now. Because uh, you know it's kind of old, but um, but yeah, it, it, it had, doesn't matter. They bring them back. So it had Halle Berry, um, Eddie Murphy. It had said Robin Martin Givens. Lawrence. Yeah, Robin oh. Givens. Martin Lawrence was in it. Um, um, Eartha Kitt was in it. Oh my God! Um, there were so, so many. many good... Like yeah, it, it was it was such an amazing cast, and it was just hilarious. <laughs> it was a good story. Oh well, I have Disney Channel Plus. I have Hulu and I have Netflix and I just saw something else that came out and it's Peacock. That's a new one. It says free yeah, NBC free, free, free. streaming thing. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. surely out of any of those, it's got to be on something. <laughs> it might be. Yeah. Or HBO. It, it might be on something. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. You can find <laughs> it. <clears throat> okay. So you have your own podcast. It's been on pause. I'm going to guess for a little bit. Uh, what made you want to start a podcast and how is it going? I know we just said it was on pause, so not a spoiler alert, just an update. It's always yes. time to go back and, you know, like retool and say, okay, what are we going to go and push the limits on now? Yes. Well, I thought it was important. So I wanted to start getting some content out there, start educating people. I'm extremely camera shy, although these months of COVID has got me a little bit more comfortable in front of the camera. So I felt like, let me start with a podcast. <laughs> um, I can just start putting some nuggets out there. Just, you know, um, first of all, I want people to get to know a little bit about me because, you know, like I said, what I'm teaching is a taboo topic, money, um, and I'm teaching them things that they're going to, that's, you know, some of it's going to be very different from what they'd hear from most people out there talking to them, giving them financial advice. So I wanted them to get to know me, know my voice, 
So I thought that a podcast was a good way to start. Um, I still think it's a great um, platform. But what I will say is, uh, so so I started to put out some episodes when unfortunately I had a friend who died suddenly and I went home for the funeral. And then it was like, I had a few conferences that was February and then all of a sudden COVID hit. And pretty much, you know, I hate to say it, but because of COVID being a, you know, like a health crisis or topic, it has caused a lot of people to think about their money. <laughs> so really I've been very busy um, with, you know, new clients and new people reaching out. And so I haven't really made the time. I won't say I haven't had the time. I'm going to say I have not prioritized getting the podcast up and running again, but I do plan to do that right now. Um, October is really that time frame. I want to get it up and going again. But what I've decided is I want to make sure that I'm also, um, you know, doing content for like video content as well. So I might record the, you know, record the, that, that content and put it on YouTube and the podcast because for me, and this goes back to the marketing question, um, what I found is a lot of people have found me through YouTube and I don't even hardly have anything. I have like three or four videos, three or four videos out there, but I continue to have people reach out to me because they come across my, my videos. So I decided that I definitely need to put more content on, on YouTube. <laughs> um, so that's my goal for October is to get the podcast up and running again. Um, but also, you know, with the addition of some video content. That's why we put our show, it's recorded. We used to uh, run our show, show out of Valencia College in their radio studio. Well, the campus has been closed and it's going to be until fall of next year, I've already been told. Wow. We had to adapt and we started doing our show, you know, it's actually here at Starter Studio um, oh. in the background. Uh, you may recognize it. Yes, I do. <laughs> but we also have been doing it via Zoom. We put our show out on YouTube. So that's how people will be able to find your show too. Is okay. We have it on <laughs> YouTube. We have it on Facebook videos. We uh, take the audio file and then we put it on our podcast host is uh, Podbean. Mm -hmm. It's distributed out onto eight other podcast channels. And then it plays at Valencia College on Tuesdays, and it plays in New York at Cornell Radio in, on Saturdays and WVBR on Saturdays. So you're going to be really <laughs> getting a lot more action out of this particular episode oh, when it good. gets that's published. Good. Yeah, that's good. I'm licensed in multiple states, so it should be fine. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. You have to have a license to do this, too. Yes, yes. I'm yes, I'm licensed to help people. Yeah, it's not just uh, yes, I, I'm licensed. So, um, and that's the other thing I was going to mention is that <clears throat> for me, once COVID hit, I didn't have much of an adjustment because my business has been 100% virtual already. So, like you, I, I basically do everything with Zoom. You know, I have clients in California, you know, clients in different states. So, I'm able to help them, work with them. You know, online, they just go to my website, they schedule their time. And yeah, we just do everything online. So mm -hmm. it's been an easy transition for me. Mm, yeah, it is. Uh, as everyone knows, our show is about internships and remembering someone that gave us a chance. Leslie, have you ever had an internship experience? I did. Um, when I first, when I was in school, when I was at, um, in college, <clears throat> I would go home for the summers and I had an internship with Caterpillar Financial. <laughs> um, and so that was fascinating to kind of, you know, be in that, I don't, I don't know if I could say it was a corporate environment, but 
Um, oh, sure. You know, it, was, it was definitely different from my McDonald's job when I was in high school. <laughs> um, so yeah, getting a chance to just kind of understand uh, in that. So in that role at Caterpillar Financial, they would basically take applications of different construction companies and contractors who, who needed to finance Caterpillar equipment, right? So that was my opportunity to see what are the type of things that they look for? How does someone in a small business qualify to be able to finance equipment and um, you know things like that so that they can take their business to the next level, right? That was kind of something I got to see, you know, when I was your age, Ian. <laughs> um, so it was very interesting. It wasn't anything I'd ever been exposed to before. And even though I don't really do anything or have interest in the construction industry, it's still something that carries across any industry, right? Just to understand. And for me, even as a small business now, to understand how it's so important to make sure your financials are together, you know, because if you need to go to a bank or if you need money for any type of expense, I now understand, you know, or I had, I had a good kind of uh, understanding of what it took to be able to qualify for that. So even though I was just, you know, the intern, I was pulling the report, like pulling the Dun & Brad reports and kind of putting together a package so that I could, you know, hand it to the manager and they could, you know, review everything all together um, to be able to, you know, review to see if that particular client was, you know, credit worthy and if they were going to extend and if they were going to extend credit, how much were they going to extend? What were the terms? Like what rate were they going to have? What interest rate were they going to have to pay? Um, <clears throat> what was the term? Like, so how long were they going to have to pay? So it was interesting to be a part of all that. Uh, what would a typical day look like for an intern that would work with you in your business? It's a consulting business and it's a force of one. I will say that. Uh, yeah, mighty so, force of one. What would they do? Yeah. So I would say there's probably a variety of different areas that I would have an intern help me <laughs> do because even if we just go back to the podcast side of things, right. Um, helping me prepare content because a big part of, like I mentioned, a big part of what I do is educating people. So it could be helping me with, you know, um, planning out my schedule for when I'm going to record the podcast, <clears throat> excuse me, and the videos could be helping me to edit that all those, that content helped me to get them out on the different platforms, helping me to, to promote them on social media, helping to get my weekly email newsletter together, all those types of things on the marketing side. But on the business side, even like if they were actually interested in, you know, this area of work, um, you know, they would participate like they could join me for some of my client calls so they can again hear some of the discussions that we're having um you know there's certain things that they won't be able to do because they have to be licensed to do that but they could definitely help me even with just kind of taking gathering the notes um when we uh you know kind of take the client to the next level they can kind of help me um with some of the administrative things right um because sometimes i have to wait for the client to send me things or i need to follow up with them the intern would help me with some of those, um, you know, communication. So yeah, there's actually a lot of different things. Uh, I know once COVID's over, I would like to start doing more speaking, you know, so they would definitely be able to help me with that, help me with some of the planning around that, um, you know, attend those with me so that they can, um, you know, just help me with fielding questions or people who might be interested, or if I have like a book or some kind of material, they can help me with distributing anything like that. So yeah, they could probably help me in so many different areas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's part of why Intern Pursuit is here, is to help employers, whether they're a force of one or, of you know, thousands of people, um, have quality interns come in and work with them. But it's also developing that person that is the mentor that's working with the student 
be that right. quality mentor. So that's what interim pursuit is. I'm just going to give my shameless plug right now. No, right and I think it's great. I think it's great that you even have the program because the other thing I didn't mention was, you know, I'd make sure that I understand from them what are they really wanting to do? Um, because I think, like I did at 20, oh, I had a very clear vision of what I wanted to do. And once I started doing it, I was like, mm, I don't think I'm going to like this. So I think that it's important to, you know, for, you know, students to try out, you know, just go ahead and try, try to get an internship in an area that you think you're interested in because, you know, some things look really great in the movies and then you get there and it's not necessarily, you know, it is how not. it is in reality. It is yeah. not. Yeah. Not. And so the so definitely want to understand what they're, what, the, how, what they're wanting to develop, what skills they want to develop. And I can definitely help put together some, you know, work for them to do that. Well, the shameless plug one more time is, and I'm very excited. We're going to have a press release on this one. Um, University of California, Berkeley's campus there, uh, or Berkeley's AI and computer science program. I met my program, uh, my project managers, and they are developing my whole platform for me. So I'm going to be working with them this semester and then next year. And I am very, very excited about that. And then the show is airing at Cornell University, and that's, you know, student population there. So yes. I see this as uh, something that will go bigger, but it is definitely there to help employers provide that end-to-end -end system. Well, we are right here at the last of it. So how can our listeners contact you, what's your website, your social channels, your email, whatever you want to share? Yes, absolutely. So whether you're a student just graduating or you're a professor or you know, you're a business owner, um, <clears throat> there's definitely conversations that we can have and I could probably show you some strategies that you may not be aware of. Um, and if you're interested, you can just go to my website. It's rebelrockwealth.com. Um, or you can find me on LinkedIn as well, just Leslie Batson. Um, and of course, you can always check out my podcast, <laughs> uh, Rebel Rock Money Talk. It's on all the major platforms, Apple, Google, Spotify. So yeah, you can definitely reach me, reach me that way. Well, I want to thank you, Leslie. This has been a really great show. I'm really glad that we got to connect and go down that old nostalgic walk of We Venture. That was yeah. cool. Yeah. And um, we'll be in touch. We'll be able to let you know when the show is going to be published and when you should be looking for it. But in the meantime, um, you stay safe and I'm sure that you're going to continue to grow because COVID is here for the remainder of the year, for sure. Oh, yeah. Maybe another year. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. The Intern Whisperer is brought to you by Cat5 Studios, who help you create games and videos for your training and marketing needs that are out of this world. Visit Cat5 Studios for more information to learn how Cat5 Studios can help your business. Thank you, Cat5 Studios. Mm -hmm.